Maintaining and flying World War II era aircraft is no easy hobby for the average person. First, you have the thousands of hours needed in the cockpit, not to mention the funds to preserve and keep a vintage plane in the air. But a passion for flight and a mission to expose the public to an important era in our military history was all that was needed for U.S. Air Force Reserve Master Sergeant David Brown to achieve a life dream. I'm Air Force Captain Steve Lewis, and on this episode of the Air Force Podcast, you'll hear more about Brown's story and how he balanced his Air Force career with a unique hobby and business flying high in the same aircraft used to train pilots in World War II. Brown retires in July with over 30 years of military service. While he no longer has to put on the uniform, Brown continues to carry on the Air Force legacy by participating in air shows and providing flights in his two well-preserved aircraft. So strap in, we're about to roll into another episode of the Air Force Podcast. The Air Force Podcast. It's a summer afternoon and retired Master Sergeant David Brown is helping a Navy corpsman into the front seat of his PT-17 Stearman biplane. The 1940s era aircraft is parked outside his hangar showing off its blue and yellow colors and a white number 03 painted on the side. Hospitalman Cassandra Bonzel drove three hours from the Portsmouth Naval Hospital just to take a 30-minute flight over Warrington, Virginia in Brown Stearman. For Brown, exposing young veterans like Bonzel to what training was like for new pilots in World War II is a major part of what keeps him flying. If a short open cockpit ride over farmland or rolling landscapes is all that it takes to create that spark, then Brown has already accomplished his mission. That to me is one of the benefits of owning these warbirds is sharing that with veterans as well as non-veterans who want to experience what it was like for their family members that trained in these airplanes or even if you didn't have a family member that trained in it, you've always wanted to just see what it was like flying one of these. Until recently, Brown was juggling part-time duties as a first sergeant with his reserve unit, a full-time civilian career with the Virginia Department of Transportation, and maintaining a business providing vintage aircraft flights. And did I also mention he was performing aerobatic maneuvers every summer weekend at a local air show? That's the Flying Circus, and it's where Brown was first exposed to flight as a kid in the Boy Scouts. So the Flying Circus, which is located just a few miles from here in Bealton, Virginia, started in 1970. A group of local pilots started that as a uh, barnstorming type old-timey air show, and they were offering rides. So in around 1974, I went out there for my first trip, and I was 14, and I bought a ride. Brown was on a camping trip with the Boy Scout troop near the Flying Circus Aerodome when he took his first flight in the Stearman. At the time, airplane rides after the show were $12 for a 10-minute ride. And I just remember that flight taking off, how sturdy that airplane felt, what a different feeling that was with the air blowing on me, and the smell of the oil and the engine. And then when the pilot banked the airplane, I'm looking straight down the wing at the ground. I remember that as it circled around, did a couple wing overs and everything, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, and that really got me hooked on flying at that point. Brown began hanging around the field at age 15 and was put to work on the ground crew, selling tickets, cutting the grass, or whatever else was needed to be done. 
As time passed, he began taking flying lessons and had his private pilot's license at the age of 19, just a year into college. It was 1979 when Brown was well into the Air Force ROTC program at East Carolina University and had dreams of taking the stick of the new F-15 or F-16. Having soloed in a Cessna 150 and securing his private license, Brown was already a pilot in the civilian world. The 20-year-old cadet began studying in 1980 to achieve the same goal in the military. Unfortunately, no amount of desire, determination, or cramming could prepare him for the first test. It was a crucial eye exam that Brown ultimately could not pass to become an Air Force pilot. I wanted to be a pilot in the Air Force, something terrible. That was one of my motivators for going in the Air Force. And I knew that they had an eye requirement, but I said, I'm not going to let that stop me. You know, I knew, had known many people that flew for the military that wore glasses. So I said, there's got to be some process to get through to do this. But, you know, I was unsuccessful at getting any kind of waivers or at that point, the Air Force had enough members that, you know, joining up that had perfect vision that met all the requirements. While his fighter jock dreams were gone, he still wanted to serve his country and accepted a two-year scholarship from Strategic Air Command to serve his four years as a nuclear missileer. But still, the desire to fly for a living was too strong. You know, the whole time I was doing active duty, I was meeting other, other Air Force members that had airplanes. We were flying them all over the all over the state. I was doing air shows. I had bought two airplanes during that time, you know, and just every, every moment that I had that I wasn't on duty, I was dedicating it to probably to flying. Brown left active duty in 1986 to gain more flight hours and ratings in more advanced civilian aircraft. He also wanted to become a certified flight instructor and commercial pilot. After landing a full-time job with the Virginia Department of Transportation, he returned to Bealton in 1987 and the Flying Circus. Brown already had the experience with aerobatics flying on the side in college, so going back to the circus, giving rides to paying customers, and performing in the show all made sense. But his big return also set the wheels in motion that would ultimately put him back in the cockpit of a steerman for good. So there were several aircraft owners there that would let me fly their airplane to do rides and fly the airplane in the show. So that's when I really started getting my experience flying the Stearman. With a successful civilian career going with VDOT and a part-time job as a flight instructor, commercial pilot, and performer in the Flying Circus, you would think Brown was busy enough. But in 1996, he joined the Air Force Reserve at Andrews Air Force Base after receiving advice from a friend. And just like his desire to fly while serving on active duty, Brown's goal setting didn't stop as a reservist. He knew he wanted to purchase his own steerman, but just had to come up with a plan and the money to make it happen. I have wanted one of these airplanes ever since the first time I flew one, and I came up with a business plan of being able to purchase a steerman and sell rides in it myself. And originally just sell rides at the, at the Flying Circus. I said, I'll be one of the guys out here, I'll, you know, they come up, you know, we do a 10 minute flight and hopefully I can make enough money with that to, to pay for the majority of this airplane's insurance and, and maintenance and, and everything. With his finances and business plan in order, Brown finally had the opportunity to buy his own PT-17 Stearman in 2002 and begin giving rides to paying customers. 
So when you're sitting in one of these airplanes, it's like a time machine. You, you know, it's restored back to look nearly identical to the way it did in, in World War II. So you're immersing yourself in that experience. You're climbing into this old airplane and there's no changes to the controls or the instrumentation or the engine or anything else. This thing flies exactly like it did in 1943. And so that to me is one of the benefits of owning these warbirds is sharing that with veterans as well as non-veterans who want to experience what it was like you know, for their family members that trained in these airplanes. Or even if you didn't have a family member that trained in it, you've always wanted to just see what it was like flying one of these. This particular World War II era Stearman was used by the U.S. Army Air Corps from 1942 to 1945 before being moved into military surplus. The biplane was then maintained as a crop duster for several years until it was restored to its original military configuration and distinct paint scheme. There's many of these airplanes that are in museums now that are, that are preserved, but they're not flying. So what I'm doing here is I'm operating a living museum. These are operational airplanes. We're maintaining them as best we can to the original safety standards and we're offering that once-in-a-lifetime experience, but we're preserving this airplane for history in a flying capacity. Just this past year, Brown has logged over 3,000 hours piloting the Stearman. With a combination of performing in air shows while giving rides and flight instruction through his business, he was able to add a second plane to his fleet. That plane was the North American Aviation T-6 Texan. I looked at them at air shows. I've always admired them. I just love the way they sounded. And I knew that they were the next step up, you know, from the Stearman. The T-6 Texan was an advanced trainer for most of the Allied pilots who flew in World War II. Called the SNJ by the Navy and the Harvard by the British Royal Air Force, the advanced trainer was a transition trainer between basic trainers and first-line tactical aircraft. For the pilots in World War II to go on to fly fighters, you know, the last training aircraft that they flew was, was the T-6. And it's a challenging aircraft to fly, and, and it was just, it always interested me. Unlike the Stearman, the T-6 was much faster. It had more maneuverability and was easier to handle. And above all, the training in the Texan better prepared pilots for what they'd ultimately experience in the war, dogfighting and bombing runs. The biplane and the open cockpit has an appeal all to its own. As a serious training airplane, T-6 ramps it up several levels. So those enthusiasts that are interested in the larger Warbird, you know, the, 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 the P-51 Mustang or the, or the Corsair, and all these different type of fighters that were flown in World War II, this T-6 is about the closest you can get to flying one of those, those type of aircraft. Back at Brown's hangar, it's easy to admire the exciting life he continues to lead having served almost 30 years in the Air Force. There's two well-preserved World War II aircraft resting peacefully side by side. Posters, signs, and mementos also fill the space from Brown's past experiences with air shows and the flying circus. But most importantly, there's still evidence of his faithful service to the military. You know, the Air Force service uh, means a lot to me, and I'm very, very proud of that. And uh, the camaraderie serving with uh, the other members that I've, I've been able to meet along the way. And these are bonds that we'll have for the rest of our life. So if I was standing on the stage right now, retiring, that what I want to see when I look out amongst the attendees there 
is I want to see the faces of airmen that I've helped and feel like that I have done something in my career that has influenced them. With an Air Force career in the rear view, Brown now sets his sights carrying on a legacy and preserving an important heritage for generations to come. I just see myself sort of as a caretaker of, of these aircraft. If I take care of them, they're going to outlive me and I will pass them on to another pilot who shares that enthusiasm and can continue sharing the airplane with friends, family, or, or even the public if they choose to do flights like I've been doing. I'm Captain Steve Lewis, and thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Air Force Podcast.